And welcome to How's It Growing, your weekly gardening connection only here at KZUM Lincoln. Hi, I am Bob Hendrickson. I'm with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, plantnebraska.org for great gardening information. Thanks for tuning in today on this gloomy overcast day. Happy spring to you. Man, the first full day of spring uh, yesterday, March 21. So, man, welcome spring. We're glad to see you. So I had to play the, uh, well, kind of the, the song I play every year around the change of the seasons from Dave Mallett. Love that song, great words, and uh, do you feel a little older somehow <laughs> after listening to that song? No, it's good stuff uh, from, from Dave Mallett, heck of a singer-songer. That comes off his CD, This Town, by the way, in case you are interested. Okay, well, let's see. you got a show lined up for you today. Lucinda Mays, one of my favorite guests on the program here, is going to be calling in uh, in a few minutes here. And uh, Lucinda out in Shadron at Shadron State College. So looking forward to our conversation with Lucinda. We're going to be talking about pruning today, so stay tuned for that. Uh, just, uh, well, I, I like to start off the show uh, before a guest calls in and just kind of say, hey, man, let's put a spotlight on somebody. And then I decided today's spotlight is going to be, when I say somebody, I mean, you know, of course, a plant, right? Come on, man. This is how's it growing. We got to have a plant spotlight, not a people spotlight. The heck with people. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, uh, plantain. You ever hear of it? Well, when you're first thought of when you hear plantain might be the banana-like fruit used frequently in Caribbean dishes, right? You ever have some, uh, you know, uh, roasted plantain or fried plantain? Well, this is different. This also refers to a medicinal herb that's probably growing in your backyard. Well, not yet, right? It's not, it's not up yet. But the numerous health benefits of plantain leaf are pretty astonishing given the fact that it's often con, uh, considered a weed. Well, it is a weed, right? Although valued as an herb for many, many centuries, plantain is often pulled up and discarded without a second glance. So it's a fascinating plant, a really cool plant, and uh, man, uh, overlooked and underutilized. The benefits of plantain leaf make it one of the most useful herbs. And this lowly weed could well be viewed as a superfood. There are few herbs that are better when it comes to skin and wound care, which makes plantain a powerful ingredient in skin salves. So if you don't want to wait and uh, harvest and, and forage your own common plantain later on, oh, I would say a good foraging time for plantain because it's a warm lover uh, is June. I mean, certainly you could do May too, but May or June, whatever, July, I mean, all summer long, right? But you can order the salve online, and it's often blended with other healing, uh, skin healing herbs, uh, oh, like yarrow or uh, calendula, um, comfrey, things like that, because uh, it's just powerful medicine. You can also try plantain tea for respiratory or digestive distress and eat it as a nutrient-packed green. And I must admit, this fella has not... Um, eaten it as a nutrient-packed green yet. It's on the to-do list this year. Recipes online, if you just type in common plantain recipes, certainly there you could harvest it, dry it, use it for tea, for wintertime use, whatever turns you on. So what's not to love about this little plant? See if you can spot any the next time you're out in the garden this spring and just google images of common plantain. You'll say, oh yeah, that weed, I've seen that before. I've been pulling that out of my yard. Well, anyway, it's cool. It's native to Europe and parts of Asia, 
It was uh, likely brought to North America by early settlers from Europe. Now it can be found pretty much growing everywhere. Backyard gardens, pastures, tilled areas, sidewalk cracks. It's a tough bird. In fact, uh, Native Americans uh, called it white man's footsteps because if you saw that plant growing, because you tend to find it growing on trails, and uh, so wherever the Native Americans saw that on trails, they knew white man's uh, was there. So beware, white man's footsteps uh, will give it away that they've been here and done that. And uh, just a quick shout out, April 15th, we don't have registration set up yet. I still got to line that up with Conservation Nebraska. But join us, put that on your KZUM calendar, join us April 15th, tax day. Uh, that's a Saturday uh, from 10 until noon at Wilderness Park for our annual wild edibles foraging hike in Wilderness Park. And uh, hopefully plantain will be up and at them at that early date, but uh, I kind of doubt it. If I remember right, it's not quite up yet uh, by mid-April, but we'll we'll mainly be after nettles and, and things like that. So put that on your calendar. I will be reminding you of that as we get closer to mid-April. Ah, isn't that nice, mid-April? We're going to order beautiful weather for that day. All right, you can easily harvest plantain leaves from the wild as long as you're sure that hasn't been sprayed, of course. Uh, plantain is fairly easy to identify. I would call it pretty darn easy. It uh, grows in these rosettes. Anyway, the, the youngest leaves will be the most tender and that have the highest nutritional value. They can be eaten like greens and salads, soups, etc. And more mature leaves typically contain higher concentrations of the beneficial medicinal compounds. So if you're after food, get the young leaves. If you're after medicine, man, you can get those older tough leaves. So plantain, a food, superfood, and an awesome plant for you to put on your foraging wish list. So... That's my shout-out to Plantain. Right now, we got a guest on the program. Lucinda Mays is on the show. Lucinda, can you hear me loud and clear? Good morning, Bob. Of course I can. How Yay. are you today? Hey, really good. How are you doing? Well, uh, I'm looking for plantains, I guess. <laughs> Were you listening in? You bet I was. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so have you uh, heard that news yet about Plantain? Were you aware of that? No, I was not. So that's all... That's why you got to listen to these gardening shows. That's right, man. And, and you know, this this unique How's It Growing uh, gardening show, and, you know, where else are you going to hear it, right? I mean, they might be talking about roses. Here we're talking about a lowly weed. <laughs> but it's a lowly weed that's kind of like, you know, like I say, I don't know how many plantains I've pulled in my life, but probably too many, right? And then the plant is literally trying to tap us on the shoulder going, hey, dude, look me up because I'm powerful medicine. And uh, we've been using salves a lot at home and uh, made our own homemade salve uh, of calendula and comfrey and just never got around to harvesting plantain. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to give it a shout out today was kind of remind me, dude, get it done this year. And uh, we plan on doing that. So so look it up uh, and be prepared to run down a rabbit hole, Lucinda, because there's, I mean, it is a, it's a pretty amazing plant. Well, the, where I run into it before is that it's, uh, I think it's the spring azures that it's a host plant for. Ah, that I didn't know. Cool. Okay. Mm, I need to double check that. I need to double check it. It was popping in my mind while you were <laughs> all medicinal. And did you hear me saying that, that uh, it was called white man's footsteps? And, and one thing you probably noticed about common plantain is it tends to grow in pathways or in compacted soils, right, where we walk. And uh, hence the name White Man's Footsteps. Beware when you see that plant 
they're out and about and they're going to get you. All right. Well, Lucinda, I appreciate you tuning in today and I appreciate you calling in. And uh, man, it's it's been uh, since January. Were you ever uh, able to download the previous show that we recorded in January? Were you able to do you that? I haven't tried since I've contacted you. So now oh, I've gotcha. got a little note to myself to uh, download. Yeah, yeah, check Thank it out. And uh, yeah. man, I, when it comes to technology, I am—he, uh, I know more about plantain than I do computers. Let's put it that way. So, and, well, my, okay. and my knowledge of plantain is pretty limited. No, but anyway, I appreciate your time. And uh, you know, sure. we've had Lucinda on the program for a number of topics, folks. And I think one year, Lucinda, in the spring, uh, we had talked about uh, sowing vegetable gardens from seed, and I thought there was great information there. Always great information when I have you on the show. We've done a great bulb show in the fall. And, heck, you could do a bulb show any time of year. But today, we wanted to talk about pruning, correct? I'd like to talk about pruning woody plants, shrubs, and trees. Cool. I know that's a big topic, but, yeah. oh my, there's a lot to it. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is a lot to it. And and I'm assuming you picked here, uh, you know, third week in March, springtime, because uh, some folks call it late winter, early spring. And, and I honestly put six seasons into our year early spring, late oh. spring, early summer, late summer, because, you know, <laughs> March 21's way different from June 20th, right, uh, when it comes to weather. So, yeah, early spring That's and late spring. So, so this now is it's prime time for pruning uh, woody plants that are fully dormant. Mm-hmm. If it hasn't started to leaf out yet, that is the best time in to- terms of uh, energy reserves being stored in the plant. Yeah, so, so in other words, get get it pruned before those energy reserves are allocated to something you're going to be pruning off anyway, right? Like, what a waste of energy. Right. You don't want to waste the energy, and and this is prime time. However, having said that, I, I prune sometimes so the job is done, and that can take me into the <laughs> early summer sometimes. Right. And so that summer pruning has its own characteristics, but from the plant's perspective, not mine, from the plant's perspective, if, if it's a deciduous tree or shrub, mm-hmm. before those leaves start to break, before you see any green on the wood, that's prime time for pruning. However, having said that, that doesn't mean that in the middle of winter is the time to do it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, so, you don't have to go out there on a cold January day, people. You know, you can late, late winter, early spring, prime time. Because like you say, we can buy some 50-degree days, you know, whatever, maybe even warmer. Or I like to prune in 40-degree in weather as long as you're dressed for it. It's, it's, uh, it, it warms you up, that little workout. So let's, let's talk about, you want to talk about like shrubs first maybe then? Sure, sure. But before we get away from the weather, mm-hmm. here's one of the things to keep. We've got we got to be kind of weather heads when we're gardeners. You have to keep an eye on what the weather is doing. So if we're going to have one of these weather events where the temperature, the bottom falls out and the temperature drops, and those are usually really well forecast. You can tell when those are coming. Right. Um, it's not a good idea to prune right in front of those. Because what that does is exposes the open wound, because any pruning cut you ever make is actually a wound. Mm -hmm. So if you make a wound on a woody plant, and then we have deep cold that lingers for a few days, the wound tends to get bigger than the cut that you made. And Mm. the the, uh, sealing off of that wound isn't always as successful. Right, right. So you got to watch the weather, and you got to (laughs) wait... And you got to not wait too long. 
And having said that about the timing, now we can talk about trucks. That's great. Yeah, and, and like you said, you know, here we are March 22nd, and uh, right, it is the 22nd. Okay, yeah, uh, March 22nd. Um, you know, you can look at a 14-day forecast, right? And like you said, typically they know when a big front's coming. They may not know the exact day, but they know a big boy's coming. And, uh, you know, if it's going to drop down to the teens, you're probably okay, right? You're talking maybe more like single digits, right? Or, or I'm talking single digits, uh-huh. and we see that uh, in the western uh, parts of the state more maybe than mm-hmm. the eastern parts of the state. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's drier out here, so that dry cold uh-huh. is really something important for folks on this end of the state to think about. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, dry cold, the cold can penetrate more into dryness like dry soils, folks, and that's why we always want that snow cover to kind of insulate so that yep. extreme cold can't penetrate. Do you guys still have snow on the ground? We do. I have, I Here on campus, we have some drifts that are still three and a half, four feet high. Wow. Yeah, it blew in. <laughs> And then it blew in again, and then it blew in again, and now it's snowing this morning. Oh, wow, what a trip. So so you have had above-average snowfall for the winter. Yes, we have. I'm trying to remember now in precipitation inches. I think we've had, uh, but I'm not going to say, because I'll get it wrong, and then, <laughs> then that'll be bad. Right. But we've had more than usual, and we've had more cold than usual. Hmm. It's just hmm. been a particularly... Uh, challenging winter, so pruning is going to be huge yeah. this year. There's going to be things that have winter killed or parts of the plants that have winter killed. So I've been going out and looking at the shrubs and trees that I want to want to prune this spring and kind of just bending the, the little tiny branchlets on the very ends of branches to see if they're limber. Uh-huh which means they're likely lively, or to look at the buds that are there and to see if they're all dried out and desiccated or to see if they look kind of plump, like uh, they might actually have some life in them. Oh, man. Yeah, and, so. and uh, that that brings me to, you got me thinking a lot, you know, we know this, but, but a good way to test folks, is this branch dead, is, you know, whether it's a tree or a shrub, is the bark scrape test, right, Lucinda? Yes. Describe that, Bob. Yeah, so you, you take your fingernail, folks, and you just kind of, you know, and I choose an area of the, you know, a branch rather than the trunk because, first of all, the trunk's kind of hard to scrape the bark off of, right? So if you choose last year's growth or whatever, you just kind of gently scrape away the outer bark, you'll reveal a green bark or green underneath. If it's dead, it's going to be brown. It's going to be harder for you to scrape. And I've actually found myself going around because sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, you may have tip dieback or whatever on your plant, you know, once you become, like Lucinda said, you know, recognizing plump buds versus buds that are desiccated, if you do that little scrape test, you'll kind of educate yourself, you know, you know what I mean, right? I mean, just kind of do both those things and then pretty soon it becomes kind of muscle memory uh, as you're pruning and you don't have to scrape every branch to see if it's alive. But if you start doing that, you'll go, oh, okay, I see. Don't give up on this. It's alive yet. Um, it might leaf no, out. And- really good test and this year with the harsh winter we've had um i i think we may see some things emerging a little bit later than usual mm-hmm. so so it's really important not to get ahead of the game and and cut something down because it hasn't leafed out yet sometimes things are delayed in response to environmental factors and this winter was an environmental factor for sure. <laughs> you know, and I, and I must say, Lincoln, we've kind of, we've had a, 
I'm going to call it a mild winter, people. I mean, yes, everybody's, oh, it was cold as heck. And it's like, no, we didn't hit, we didn't hit it below zero a whole lot. And I'd have to look up the records. But, uh, yeah, two years ago we hit 31 below. I think it was two years ago. It's all a blur. But uh, I never thought we'd see 30 below here in Lincoln again. Uh, and so that was a surprise. And, okay, so so Lucinda, uh, shrubs, uh, you said you've kind of been going around campus and shrubs you want to prune, kind of seeing how they're doing. Why would you want to prune? those shrubs well it really depends on the shrub and I hate to give all these caveats ahead of time but when I look at a shrub one of the things that my brain catalogs is is it a spring blooming shrub like a lilac or a forsythia or is it a summer blooming shrub like one of the hydrangeas Uh Uh, and so that tells me when to prune it Things that bloom in the spring, we'll just use lilacs for the example. Things that bloom in the bloom in the spring, you don't want to prune in the spring because you'll prune off the flower buds. So that's one group of plants. There are plants that bloom on what we call old wood. Things that blo- that grew their flower buds right on the twigs last year. Mm-hmm. So I wait for a spring blooming shrub. I wait until it's done blooming. Something like this. Now, did you were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to say uh, one thing. I want want to let folks know is okay. Like you said, I'm doing it because I want to enjoy the flowers. If if say the thing's not blooming very well, whatever, no flowers, you're not going to kill the shrub even though it blooms in the spring, right? You're you're pruning it. Um, y- you know, if you have to get the work done, and you're like, oh man, if I wait for it to bloom, then other things are going to be going on, and I don't have time to prune it. Then can I prune a spring blooming shrub this? time? time of year and not kill it? Absolutely. And so these shrub pruning rules are, <laughs> they, uh, they have to do with getting the most bloom, I think, out of your, out of your plant. Mm-hmm. But let's use lilacs again, because they're a good one. Sometimes they grow for, uh, they just get overgrown. They mm-hmm. grow quite a bit. They get a lot of dead wood right down in the middle of them. They're all leggy and twiggy. And what do you do with them? Right. And that's when you get into the kind of pruning that has nothing to do with preserving this year's flower crop. This is when you might do something like the rejuvenative pruning of uh, cutting them down hard to the ground. I'm talking chainsaw work. Right. Have you ever done that? (laughs) Yeah, I sure have. And it goes back many moons ago, uh, back when I was a student, and we, we had four guys living in a house and the a horticulturist major, agronomy major, so we were all kind of plant geeks, and our our landlord had these big, oh, I would say 15-foot lilacs uh, sure. between the neighbor there, and uh, and basically we would do work for him to kind of, you know, lower the rent a little bit, and so, yeah, chainsaw work. I mean, these lilacs were 15 feet tall, maybe four big stems per lilac, and each stem was probably four inches across, right? And so... Right. Just right. a just a few flowers up on the very top of the plant. Otherwise, probably from the ground up to two thirds of the plant, there was no leaves. Right? It was just a big, like you say, twiggy mess. And and I remember we cut it down to four inch stubs. And I'm thinking, man, we probably killed this thing. And uh-huh. uh, it, it, and it it takes some some oomph, uh, folks to kind of say, all right, I hope I don't kill this, but here we go. Uh, and I want to talk more. 
It helps if you have somebody to hold your hand right. every time you do that. <laughs> but it much really to my helps. surprise, Lucinda, even those big stems, new sucker, new stems come out of the crown of that plant, folks. That's why we wanted to go down to stubs, right, Lucinda, rather than leaving a two to three foot stem sticking out of the ground because then the new growth will come off generally the top of that stem and you have a weak connection then, right? That's exactly what happens. And so uh, wherever you make the cut on the wood, there are little incipient buds underneath the bark that are just waiting to bud out and become new branchlets. So if you cut it down low to the ground, they'll come out look close to the ground. If you cut it two feet up in the air, you'll have this big old mop of, yes. of twigs and branches that comes out on that wood that you cut off. So if you're going to take out an old lilac, and if you never have, I highly recommend it. One, it's, uh -huh. it's amazing to see the transformation. No doubt. The first time I did a, a pruning like that was on some 18 to 20 foot tall azaleas in South Carolina. Whoa. And I couldn't believe that we were doing it. It just, it looked so wrong to me. <laughs> it looked so wrong. Oh, man. And then three years later, it was absolutely gorgeous. That's a trip. So, Go figure. Now, of course, we can't relate to an 18 to 20 foot azalea. Oh, man, those lucky dogs. <laughs> and, I, and I watched the Masters just to check out the azaleas and rhododendrons because, and just to see how good those folks do with groundskeeping because they separate the trees from the, from the, uh, the, the precious golf turf, right? And it, it's just a good example of here's how we need to landscape. Yeah, and so we're talking rejuvenation pruning where you can take it to the ground. And, and I use this attitude, Lucinda, and I want to see if you agree um so uh, you know the, the kind of the should i do this moment and am i going to kill my plant usually where is this a good candidate for rejuvenation pruning meaning taking it to the ground people and what i say to folks is if it's a like let's use burning bush as an example sometimes burning bush uh, will have you know many stems and other times I've seen a burning bush which it's like a single stem down at the base you know and an old one that single stem will be you know four inches six inches in diameter so it's like ah, I'm a little leery about cutting this down to a stub uh, for it to rejuvenate versus one that has many stems or multiple stems I should say D uh -huh. do, you, do you think those have a better chance of rejuvenating would you take your chance say on a burning bush that's a single stem. And this is more or less a question for me because <laughs> I've had those yeah. si situations and I'm like, I'm going to head you back rather than uh, cut you to the ground. Okay. So the difference between multi-stem shrubs and tree form shrubs, mm -hmm. I mean, does it have, for our listeners, does it have a, a, a main central stem or does it have like 20, 30, 40 or more stems coming up out of the ground? And the, the candidate for rejuvenative pruning, for cutting them back hard, for hard pruning, it's sometimes called, um, is much better for the multi-stem shrub. If there's something that has a single single stem, it's growing in more of a tree form, and it's less likely to to maintain a tree form um, if you cut it the whole thing off. I see. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. In other words, you're saying it may not, you know, kill the plant. It's still going to likely rejuvenate, but that single stem form that you liked is going to likely be gone. It, it will be it gone. It will be what gone. What's going to happen <laughs> is it'll rebud from whatever buds are underneath the bark. Okay. Uh, and that depends on 
how healthy, how vigorous the shrub is, how close it is to getting um, road salt all over it, all uh-huh. of those things that are part of the danger of being a, a green and growing plant in the world of people. Um, if it's a, if it's a healthy plant, it'll bounce back better from just about anything we can do to it. But if it is a tree form shrub, and there are lots of those, uh, every now and then you'll see a a um, a tree form lilac. Oh, uh huh. Sometimes you'll see tree form burning bushes. Sometimes mm-hmm. tree form hydrangeas. I've seen usually those uh-huh. are pruned to achieve that. But I wouldn't cut those off hard. I would not. Right. Yeah, so that's a good good easy uh thing to remember folks as you're as you're scratching your head going should I prune this or should I not and and you're right on that rejuvenation. I remember doing that those same lilacs I was talking about. It took them cuz we lived there for quite a few years and I never did see them bloom again by the time we moved out and uh you know, it take a you know 4 or 5 years uh at least uh for that lilac to get back to blooming mode. But I, re- but I remember after that first year, I mean, the new growth came up vigorously from the crown of that plant. And by the end of the first season, it was probably three to four feet tall and a nice, healthy, dark green, thick, dense stand yep. of lilac now. Yeah. It'll blow your mind if you've never done it. <laughs> yeah, it does have have somebody holding your hand that's done right. it before. Not because you need that, but because you feel like you need that. Right, right. <laughs> That's great. So it's kind of nice to have somebody who's lived through the process and can tell the tell tell you that actually yes, it will come back, and and they do, and they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's eleven thirty, so I'm gonna have to take a break, but quickly. Um, so if you have a big overgrown forsythia bush, and a lot of people do if they have a forsythia, do you typically say you know, it, it's kind of one of those uh, two pronged swords. You know, you would you would do some. Oh, shaping, pruning, tidying it up type pruning, you know, after it flowers again. Um, or do you say, you know, I, sure, I do some tidy up pruning, but the way I handle a forsythia, the best way to handle one is to cut it to, to the ground, four-inch stubs, whatever you want to say, uh, for re- rejuvenation. Would you say that to people as, you know, the thing's huge, it's best to start over? If it's huge, yes, start over. But if it's just nice and large... Then I would recommend selective thinning so that every year I'm pruning, but I'm pruning, uh, I'm thinning out. I'm going down to the ground, but not for the whole plant. I'm going down near to the ground for about one third of the live wood. Okay. And I like to do that this time of year or a little bit earlier, even even though I'm pruning off flowering buds, because forsythia is one of those plants that forces well inside. So you can cut the stems, uh-huh. bring them inside, give them a good drink, and they will uh, give you some blooms indoors while the weather outside is frightful. So. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, okay, well, that's that's good to know. And I, you know, because again, I bumped into some forsythias where, I mean, the thing is just gigantic and, and they're like, well, what do I do? And I'm like, man, you got to, take it to the ground and then they kind of look at you and go dude that's like two pickups low 
two pickup loads full yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're, that's why you don't see forsythias planted a whole lot anymore, I have a feeling, but uh, that's Maybe, so but 80s. People also <laughs> take the hedge trimmers to them, and I hate to see that, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, please please try to avoid that at all costs. And Yeah, so and what I was saying is forsythia... You know, it was a very popular plant, you know, back in the day and certainly in the 80s and, and started to kind of fade away in the 90s, I would say. And now here in the 2000s, I'm not seeing forsythias planted anymore, very rarely. Are you? Um, I have not seen as many forsythias in western Nebraska. Yeah. I'm remembering them from the, actually from the '60s is when I'm remembering right. them. Right. <laughs> yeah, they go back in the day, people. Yeah, so not nearly as popular anymore. So you used to drive around Lincoln, folks, and there would be forsythias all over the place blooming. But man, they're few and far between now. Well, well Lucinda. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a break here. Uh, I'm past that time, so I'm going to keep you on the line, and we'll do a break. It's going to take a couple three minutes, and we'll get you back on and and see what else with shrubbery you want to talk about and. And then we'll switch gears to trees in this fastest hour on the radio. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lucinda. Hang tight. All right. That is Lucinda Mays, retired horticulturist at Shadron State College and retiring uh, not in the amount uh, of the vocabulary for Lucinda. Lucinda is going to be, you know, working with plants and uh, still doing things for campus. So kudos to you, Lucinda, for saying I'm never quite fully retired. All right, folks, I got to take a break. Keep it right there. This is How's It Growing. Oh, one of my favorite groups, the Mavericks. Hope you enjoyed that. Too bad. You can't listen to it all. <laughs> all right, the Maverick coming to Lincoln. We're going to see him in Kansas City. Excited about that. All right, Lucinda. That great. That yeah. great. Oh, man. Uh, the Mavericks, you, are you familiar with them? No, but I like the music I was just listening oh, to. Oh, man, they are so good. And uh, bucket list material. So Pat and I got tickets to see them in, in Kansas City uh, because, well, we actually checked out their tour schedule, right? And we're like, oh, they're going to be in Kansas City uh, at Knuckleheads, a kind of a famous stop for them, uh, a traditional stop, uh, three, day, three days in a row, right? And so we went ahead and got tickets and then literally... I don't know, four days later, they announced a show in Lincoln. First, first time coming to Lincoln. And we were like, oh, man. And uh, so we kind of drug our feet on, should we see him a month earlier? And by the time we were getting our feet out of the mud, it was sold out. So I'm like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll see him at Knuckleheads and be happy. Yeah, just yeah. a great, great music, good stuff. Maynard. All right. Well, we're not talking music now with Lucinda Mays. It's Shadron. Uh, we're talking pruning. And so, uh, yeah, thanks again for your time, Lucinda. And, you know, I don't know, uh, shrubs, you know, with pruning, as you said, it's just a huge topic. We could talk three hours on it, people, but uh, we're, we're kind of hitting the highlights here. And any other highlights with shrubbery that you want to hit? Well, I guess I would say that keeping good air circulation moving through the shrubs is one of the goals of pruning a shrub so that we don't end up with uh, oh fungal diseases or sooty mold or all kinds of oddball things that grow if the, the air doesn't move readily through the shrubs. So it's a good idea to thin out those shrubs. We talked about taking shrubs to the ground, but thinning the shrubs is actually more of a maintenance kind of pruning that you might do every two or three years. And I, I like that. Once I get a shrub uh, without the dead 
wood all pruned out of it, then I, I like to start thinning a shrub. Okay. So and you're that's, that's a fine tool. So you're saying I'm thinning a shrub that has like where we were talking earlier. You would have a bunch of stems, right, coming out, maybe maybe right. a, a dozen or more, or something like that. And you're selecting some of the larger stems within all those stems and cutting those to the ground, right? Yeah, that's kind of a good rule of thumb is to take the largest, oldest wood out because that's going to end up eventually being the least blooming of the wood mm -hmm. so the the new growth that comes on is going to produce more flower buds so every two or three years if you go out to your nice big old oh, let's talk about forsythias and prune out the 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 heaviest oldest wood um but not more than a third of the life plant the shrub will just keep growing and producing and flowering it's a great way to do it if you have a red stem or yellow stem dogwood mm -hmm always take the old wood because it doesn't color up as well in the winter time so you might as well get rid of the uh the wood that's gray instead of the wood that's red or yellow so that's how you can tell which which to prune yeah and uh, yeah i'm glad you mentioned dogwoods because that's a good one to to really kind of train yourself on folks and uh you know it, it becomes pretty obvious who is who as you're looking at that dogwood and scratching your head saying who comes out and who stays it's pretty obvious and and they rejuvenate well and and if you leave those larger stems on there too listen it becomes less productive less flowers you know disease prone blah 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 uh but uh the new growth uh is brighter right as well and uh, you know so if you're after after cutting your your dogwood for maybe bringing indoors for you know Christmas decoration, whatever the case may be, you're gonna by by thinning it uh, every year, every two or three years, I should say, um, you're gonna constantly get that new bright stem, thinner stem that's uh, that's really pretty to use in arrangements. That's exactly right. And if you have one that is huge, you can take it to the ground. And then get up, start getting on that thinning every couple of years, every two or three years. I like the yellow stem dogwoods because they're still yellow when the daffodils are blooming. And I just love the oh, way yeah. that looks together. I'm that's, with you. That's a really nice combo. I'm with you. It's an overlooked, underutilized shrub. And uh, I'm trying to remember, is it Bud's Yellow? Is that the typical cultivar name you would find? Or is there another one out there? Well, in Bud's Yellow has been a around since um, the <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I don't, it's a good I don't bud. <laughs> I wonder who, I never met bud. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the uh, the yellow is stable and gorgeous on that one. There are some other ones out there, and, I, and I'm not up to date on what the more recent cultivars of yellow stem dogwood are. But right. when, we, when we talk about dogwoods, we're not talking about the dogwood trees. We're talking about the multi-stem shrub that is just kind of this medium green mound of growth in the summertime, sometimes growing six to eight feet tall and sometimes a lot shorter if it's a dwarf form. Yes. But their real claim to fame is the fact that their stems are brilliant yellow or brilliant uh, red um, in the wintertime. There's some that are kind of coral colored too. Those are gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I've been in that situation. Uh, a friend had me come over and do some work in their yard, and he had a great big dogwood. I mean, this thing was, you know, 10 feet tall, one of the old-fashioned, uh, I can't remember the scientific name of that one. Anyway, the old-fashioned dogwood. And so I'm left with, okay, I'm going to th 
to thin this dogwood out. So I took the largest canes out, and these canes were like stems, whatever you want to call them, folks, were, oh gosh, at least an inch, if not an inch and a half, big boys. And by the time I cut those out, what few thin stems were remaining were also still 10 feet tall. And once I took the support away, now I had these thin stems that were all just kind of like, bleh, you know, kind of like falling over, if you will. And I'm like, dude, that's that's uglier than before I pruned it. I'm just taking this puppy to the ground. So I'm glad you mentioned that. There's nothing wrong with taking a dogwood to the ground. They rejuvenate well as well. They really do. I'm only laughing. That's the loss of recognition. <laughs> Anybody who's messed around with pruning shrubs over the years has has taken some giant steps of bravery and and lived through it. So yeah. I'm glad you put that thing to the ground. Otherwise, you just have all these skinny, floppy stems. Yeah getting caught in the wind and twirling around and, and they look like crap yeah amen and yeah start over uh it you know yep. don't don't question it just start over and you know and i've also found oh what was i and it was in my brain earlier and, and now it left um something where you know taking it to the ground versus thinning uh anyway it left my brain oh maybe it was uh spireas uh like so like the old-fashioned van hoot spirea people are often you know the bridal veil folks uh that that, that beautiful spirea that's very old-fashioned plant that often gets bigger than people want it to be how do you typically handle a a uh, spirea that's big and overgrown do you cut those to the ground too or and if it's multi-stemmed and it's huge, cut it back hard. Okay. Cut it back hard. Don't mess around. Yeah. <laughs> Just cut it back hard. Rake away all any of the dead wood and twigs that you find. Rake away the covering on the ground. Give it a little bit of balanced fertilizer. Give it a big drink and come back next year and you'll be impressed that, that they rejuvenate just beautifully privet you know there's there's lots of different shrubs out there folks that uh that rejuvenate well all right listen well we're we're getting there it's uh well it's uh 11 central here and so we better switch gears uh even though we know very well <laughs> there's more to talk about with shrubbery uh we better kind of shift our spotlight on the trees now huh Okay, well, we just got started, but, I mean, that's just the way it goes. One <laughs> thing with both shrubs and trees is to make sure that you have nice, sharp tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, any pruning cuts that you make, you don't want to have old, dull tools that crush the wood tissues rather than slice the wood yeah. tissues. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, if, you know, save up your money, buy yourself a good pair of pruning shears, Um you can expect to spend 75 to to $100 on a good pair of pruning shears and not gasp. And then you <laughs> want to keep a little little um, uh, file <laughs> that you can keep the blade sharp with. Uh-huh. Or, um, you, or you can get a pruning, like I'm thinking of the Felco brand, that you can just buy replacement blades. And they should, if you, if you don't lose them, they should last you many, many, many years. They will. Uh, Every pruner I've ever had has been inadvertently left outside one time or right. another. <laughs> so, so it doesn't hurt to keep a file even if you get the yes. Velcro yeah. blade. Um, it doesn't hurt to have oil. It doesn't hurt to have a little kit of taking care of your uh, tools for pruning shrubs or trees. It really doesn't hurt to keep, and this is kind of a funny thing, um, I like to keep pine saw white hmm. in my 
pruning kit because that's one of the things that the International Society of Arboriculture recommends for keeping your blades clean and not transferring diseases as you move from tree to tree to tree. Hmm. And that is wiping the blades with um, pine saw. Why that versus, say, a bleach-type uh, wipe? Well, evidently, and I'll just give you the, the, the small bit of answer that I have, it works better than bleach. Hmm. It, it, um, and here's the other thing that I like about it. It does not bleach your gardening pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yes, yes. Okay, that's funny. And the other thing I like about it is those wipes coming in. They come in these plastic containers that you just pull them through the lid, and one pops up, and you have them right there. Uh-huh. And it's really important, even if you haven't been working in diseased plants, to clean that blade after you're done pruning and get and get the saps and the other. Uh, sticky stuff off the off the blades. It mm. really does make a difference to have good, sharp slicing blades when you start messing around with cutting pieces of wood off your shrubs and trees. Awesome. So a good pruning shears, a hand pruning shears, would you also say what you also need in your toolkit is uh, a good, uh, don't skimp on the price there either, loppers? Absolutely. And loppers are like hand pruners except bigger and they have longer handles. And you can lop off branches that are bigger than you should try to be pruning with your hand pruners. Yes. With your hand pruners, I like to say don't prune off anything bigger around than your little finger. Mm-hmm. And good. then loppers, you can go for the bigger wood. Yeah, that's a good point for, for several reasons, folks. If you have a bunch of shrubs you're pruning and you're, you're trying to do it with your hand pruners, I'm telling you, and if you've done this for years and years and years, you're going to start getting carpal tunnel just on your, just just from the the force that it takes to cut a log, larger branch, let alone the damage you're doing to that plant. So you're doing it for both you and the plant, right? <laughs> Break out that loppers. So the way I usually roll this in, I want to see what you do is, I'll, I'll use the loppers first, go around and get the bigger ones, you know, and then I'll then I'll say, okay, I don't see anybody else that's going to require a loppers. Uh, now I can go to my hand pruners versus the other way around. Typically, and if it's a, a big woody shrub or a tree that has been needing some pruning, I might start with even the next step up of tool, which is a pruning saw. Uh-huh. And pruning saws, the ones that I like the best are the curved blade biting saws that have three faces that make cuts. So you cut coming and going on that. Uh, and okay. they just fly through the wood and they make the nice clean cut. Um, is that a typical folding saw or is that not? Folding saws are typically curved pruning saws. Uh-huh. Um, there's a brand called Silky. Uh, that's one of the good ones. It's, there are many good ones out there. But they make a little six-inch folding saw called Pocket Boy. Have you used one? Uh, I think I have, yeah. It fit oh. right in your back pocket, right? Oh, man, they are just the best. If I only had one saw for working on young trees or just about any shrub, it would be a six-inch pocket boy. They make eight-inch pocket boys, too, but you can't get in quite the tight crevices. Cool, cool. So 
Possibly. So you hear that, people? Christmas gifts for gardeners, okay? So, uh, or Mother's Day. Or Mother's Day is coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so once you have this arsenal in your pruning kit, they will last for a long time as long as you take care of them. So uh, have those things available. Then you don't have to go hit up your neighbor to borrow theirs. Yeah, and it really does matter what kind of a saw you use to make cuts on live wood. Uh, a lot of us grew up with that kind of D-shaped saw hanging in the shed. Oh, yeah, yeah. For cutting firewood. Uh-huh. Uh, that's not a really good pruning saw. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, something with a nice curved blade, um, a, a nice handle grip. It's a good idea if you're going to spend money on a saw that you figure out some kind of a scabbard to protect those um teeth on the saw blade from getting damaged by being flung down on the ground because you're in a hurry to grab a branch that's coming off or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So really, really important to protect those those expensive, expensive and very sharp blades, but it really, truly is worth it uh, to have that good blade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, man, are they sharp. So just beware, people. Uh, the, the, if, if you happen to uh, nick yourself or just go, whoops, uh, you will know it, that going, man, am I never going to do that again? <laughs> because oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they are mean. Uh, yeah, so uh, just be just be cognizant that they are incredibly sharp and they'll get you yes. if you're not and careful. And always, always, always wear gloves. Yes. Always wear gloves. Uh, even leather gloves, you know, they don't have to be Kevlar. Kevlar is kind of nice for people who are prone to cutting themselves. <laughs> uh, but the leather gloves, uh, usually there's enough resistance when you start pruning into your glove that you'll see it in time and you'll go ahead and um, stop cutting before you take your finger off. So that's important too. But those pruners that we've been talking about, the Falcos and the Paca Boys, you can use those to cut chicken bones. So oh, wow. <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of tells you that, you know, your chicken bones and your finger bones aren't that different. Right. <laughs> you take your finger <laughs> off, man. <laughs> oh, not you, for your six-year-old kid. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so, uh, you know, as again, the old clock is ticking and uh, there's no way we're going to have time here to really dive deep into tree pruning. And so in the two to three minutes we have, Lucinda, maybe just give us advice on if I'm taking a branch off, do this, but don't do that. How about that? You bet. Yeah, there isn't enough time to tell all of that. One of the things that I would say is Go out and look at where branches attach to the trees. By that, I mean where little branches attach to big branches or big branches attach to the trunk. And look for a kind of tissue that in the, in the business is called collar tissue. And that is an attachment, branch attachment, a uh, series of tissues that grows year after year after year and you don't want to cut into that collar tissue when you're taking a branch off because it hangs over your driveway and it's going to scratch the paint of your car this year if you don't cut it off. That's a, that's a good yeah. uh, On the bottom a little ways, make a cut just above it a little ways and that branch will break off 
but line work, an excellent pruning cut on your tree. And the fine work looks like this. Let's say you cut off the, the biggest part of the long branch and you have a stub about anywhere from 6 to 24 inches long. Now what you're going to do is get right up to that collar tissue. And it really does look like a collar. Mm-hmm. Get right up to that collar tissue, but don't nick it. That's the perfect cut. And what I see people do sometimes is instead of looking for the collar tissue, they just try and make a nice, tidy, what is called a flush cut, which makes the trunk or whatever they're cutting it off uh, not have any lumps or bumps left behind, just a straight path. That's good when you're working with lumber. It's not good when you're working <laughs> with living trees. Right. So find that collar tissue and do not nick the collar tissue. Also, do not leave a stub. So this is the, you know, this is where where the, oh, what's the word? It's, it's where you find out if you, you've got the touch or not. Right. Practice. It takes yeah. practice. Yeah, and, and you know the beautiful thing now, folks, is back in the day you would have had to buy a book that shows you that. Now you can just type it in on the computer, and there's some great images out there for you could type in proper pruning cut on uh, you know what Lucinda is yep. talking about, what that collar looks like, and and uh, all the proper cuts. The the three point method is Lucinda was talking about removing most of the weight because if you don't and you just cut it from the top down. It could, it could pull the part of the bark off as the branch is coming off. So reasons to do that and all that, just tons of great info and uh, images online. I'm sure there's a YouTube video as well, right? Uh, playing of oh, I'm sure there's lots, but I have to tell you, if, some, if somebody wants something to sit down and read about it, New York Botanic Garden, NYBG, puts out, what do they call their bulletins? Guides. They've been making guides since, like, the beginning of the 20th century. And they have one called Proper Pruning of Trees and Branches. And it is absolutely a little Bible that you can take with, print it off. Cool. Uh, and take, take it out with you in the yard if this is new territory for you. And it is really well written. It's, I don't know. They just really know how to write their stuff. That's great. And, and so, so you're saying I can I can get that online. I can download that and print it off online. Yep. 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 Cool. Cool. Just look for um, well, NYBG or New York Botanic Garden, and proper pruning. <laughs> <laughs> proper pruning manual, and you, it will come up and you will find it. All right. Yep, and it's wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, I know uh, once we hang up and say our goodbyes here, Lucinda, you're going to say there's so much more I wanted to talk about, but you know, it is what it is. You know, it's an hour long show. It's the fastest hour in radio, but it was lots, still lots of great information and there's lots more out there. I'm glad you recommended a easy to follow uh, guide that is not, you know, 300 pages long uh, type of thing. So, so good stuff. And thank you so much for your time, Lucinda. We got to say our goodbyes because I'm out of time and I will see you in June. It's always good to talk gardening, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, well, I'll I'll let you get back to work and admire the snow. (laughs) Thanks, Bob. (laughs) Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye, Lucinda. You take care.